Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Buy Lists podcast. My name is Bilal Malik, and this is my co-host, Trenton Seattle. How are you, Trenton? As fantastic as I always am. How are you, Bilal? Never change, Trenton. Never change. Glad to hear that you're doing fantastic. I'm doing pretty well myself. Thank you for asking. We have made it to championship weekend, Trenton. Almost the end of the NFL playoffs, and Hey, just the way this whole year has gone, last year is gone, this season is gone. It is honestly a miracle that we have we made it on time. Never take this for granted again next year when hopefully we're all back to normal. Yeah, um, honestly, as at the start of the season, I thought there was going to be at least one game that would be canceled. But I mean, the the NFL met and they put in different protocols and restrictions and they uh they made it work so good for them hey let's hopefully we get it through for the rest of the season we still have a few weeks to go but uh let's get into uh today's today's news today's business that we got so so uh we're getting close to the super bowl trend as we just mentioned and the nfl is planning to give 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers free tickets to the Super Bowl. And I honestly believe that this is like the best thing they could do just because of how vital that these people have been to our society and helping us get through this pandemic. Giving them a free ticket to the Super Bowl is like the least anyone could do. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's a, a good reward and definitely a good uh, a good public show of gratitude for the healthcare workers who have put their lives at risk and on the line to to keep as many people safe and alive as they possibly can. So most of these people are going to be coming from uh, the Tampa and Central Florida area. Uh, but they also each NFL club has the will have the opportunity to nominate a few healthcare workers from their community to attend the Super Bowl as well. So it'll be a pretty inclusive experience, and I'm really glad for all these. Um, additionally, there will be more fans in the stadium because it is the Super Bowl, and what is the Super Bowl without fans, even in a pandemic? Uh, we will have 14,500 additional fans, paying fans, at uh, an attendance in Tampa. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be closer to, to the football that we're used to with, with fans actually being there and, and cheering. Although, to be fair, at certain times when I was watching the games this year, it just felt like you know, the pumped in stadium noise. I'm sure for the players, it feels so empty there, but at least watching from TV, it's like, okay, this is, this is kind of sounds about right. You know? Yeah. And also a lot of things that happened where uh, Trenton was, um, right. There was the pumped in stadium noise, but a lot of the TV broadcasts in general would have their, I believe they would have their own additional sound effects that are playing as, I mean, additional stadium noise. So even though we feel it's more of a proper atmosphere sitting at home watching through our TVs, the players on the field were just in um, – it was just a different environment for them. And, hey, looking at week one, though, man, it was 
I believe it was one team, the Jaguars, who were allowing fans in week one, and the rest of the league still hadn't uh, allowed people in their stadiums. But uh, just to see that, I mean, there's, there's this fascinating statistic here that there were 116 games throughout the regular season and currently the playoffs that allowed fans into their um, into their stadium. Actually, trying to think, the Chiefs allowed fans on day one. I think it was them and the Jaguars, some very minimal teams. Now you see many teams on the league, even the Packers over the course of the playoffs have had a few hundred fans in there. So, but uh, continuing on with that stat here is that over 1.2 million fans showed up at games. And I'm saying based off of limited capacity, that's still a significant number. So it's, I mean, things have gotten well. So let's uh, see how it continues on from here. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. Um, I think it's it's definitely too early to say what's going to happen next year, though, because um, that's just so far away. Definitely. I'm looking at movies just in general here as a, uh, as a baseline here. A lot of movies have been moved to the, uh, the third quarter or of this year. Like you look at, uh, I'm just doing an example here, the new James Bond movie that was supposed to come out early last year, got pushed down to November-ish and now it's gotten moved to April. And then now it's gotten pushed down, to, I believe, October. So just see how movie theaters in general haven't been able to figure out how to operate right now. It'll just be interesting to see how other indoor spaces, such as um, sports arenas. I know most, I mean, there are a lot of them that are outdoor, but you still have those that are indoors and those are domes. So who knows, Trenton, the vaccines out there will be hopefully getting our dosage sometime in within the year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move into some of the hirings. I think we've, uh, we finally made it through all of the firings. I don't think, uh, as many new people are being fired now. Now we're moving into all of the new people coming into organizations. So the Washington football team has hired a new general manager. They hired Martin Mayhew, who was the San Francisco's 49ers executive. So he will be the GM. It was previously reported that Marty Herney was going to be the GM, but instead he's going to be executive vice president of football slash player personnel. Um, And both of these people are expected to be reporting to Ron Rivera. So Ron Rivera is all the way at the the very top of the organization over there. It's interesting, right? Um, You see that the... The GM is now going to be reporting to reporting to the head coach, and just shows you how much influence and input Ron Rivera has in that team. And I mean, I'm fine with it, honestly. Um, it gives him the opportunity to not have to be fully dedicated in those positions, but at least you know nothing major is going to happen to that team unless he agrees to it. So he, no GM is going to be trading his best player off without Ron Rivera signing off. So it's good for them. And um, but a lot of things that need to be fixed with that Washington team in general. So last year made some uh, gradual steps to it with a new, with a good head coach and a good quarterback. 
a lot of structural things that with the ownership and the management. So they're taking care of things piece by piece. Yeah, that's uh that's a good point. They also brought a uh, a wild card spot to Washington, which was uh unexpected but entertaining. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um meanwhile, Terry Fontenot has been hired as the Falcons general manager. Uh, he is formerly the assistant general manager for the New Orleans Saints. Now he's going to the Atlanta Falcons, um, which is interesting because that's a uh, that's a division move. It's probably a smart move too, but I don't think that really went into the decision-making process of what team you previously coached for. Um He's been the same so for 16 years, and based off of what I read from him and all the other information, it seems like he's a pretty qualified guy. So we'll see what uh, success he brings to the to the Falcons. Because you look at you look at the previous GM though, Thomas Dimitrov, who got fired um, this year. It wasn't. Overall, his track record was pretty good. It's just that in the past couple of years, things died off. And then when you don't produce the results like that, you don't usually keep your job. So let's see what uh, – I mean, it's too early to judge all these hirings here. We just, we're just we just here talking about it, announcing it. So we'll just see what comes of this in the next – check in with us in a year, see where we are. Yeah. Um, ooh. You want to know who's – a very hyped-up person, besides Robert Sala, of course. I am talking about Dan Campbell, who was now going to be the head coach for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, um, <laughs> this guy. Didn't know anything about him until I watched a bit of his uh, introductory press conference. And he's, uh, he's quite the character. And I don't know <laughs> how to take that, if that is a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. Um, let's let's just say it's very different from what Matt Patricia brought. <laughs> but that honestly might not be a good thing. I mean, Patricia was not a good coach, but eesh, I don't know, man. Just off of his – did you read his quote? Or did you see the video where he was talking about his overall team philosophy? Uh, no. Well, if you look in our show notes, Trent, it is, it's, on, it's the second link. <laughs> I, was looking at the, uh, I was looking at the first one. <laughs> it's all good. Threw it in there at the last minute, so I don't think you had a chance to read into it. But uh, I'll read it for you. Um, here's what he basically says. He says, here's what I want, here's what I know just as an overall philosophy. You're going to say what this team's going to be, what it's not going to be. I know that Detroit is made up of great people, some really good people. The community is strong. The place has been kicked. It has been battered. It has been bruised. And I can sit up here and give you coach speak all day long. I can give you, hey, we're going to win this many games. None of that matters. And you guys don't want to hear it anyway. You've had enough of that. Uh, you can fill that in. Um, 
here's what I know this team's gonna take gonna take on the identity of this city. The city's been down and found a way to get up and found a way to overcome adversity. So this team's gonna be built on we're going to kick you in the teeth and when you punch us back, we're gonna smile at you and you when you knock us down, we're gonna get up and and on the way up we're gonna bite a kneecap off. All right, and <laughs> God. And we're going to stand up and we're going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And then the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap and we're going to get up and we're going to get up and it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk of you, hunk of you. Before long, we're going to be the last one standing on right. That's going to be the mentality. I don't know. What was going on in this statement? (laughs) This made no sense to me. I get the idea he wants to project toughness, and but sometimes you have people who just trying to project toughness, like want to really act tough, and then they—it's like overdoing. It's like too much for me. It's like "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) I really don't get this, and that. Where does someone come up with this thing? We're gonna bite a kneecap off, and then, <laughs> and then we're on our way up, we're gonna take your other kneecap off, and then we're going to take another honk out of you. What does that really mean? That really was a tongue twister, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, but you get what I'm saying, right? People try to act really tough and try to project yeah. this really <laughs> tough image, and it's like, it's honestly. I don't know anything about this guy, but it's like the most insecure people trying to project the most tough image. And I have no idea what he's going to be like as a coach. He could be amazing or he could be a complete disaster for Detroit. And I don't yeah. see I don't see it going any other way. I see it either being a great success or it's going to be a, he'll be out of there in a year. Yeah. That's just based, I'm only judging him off of one press conference too, so... Whew, he's a he's a quite the character. Yeah. We shall see. Does this make any results? Bring any results to Detroit? For a team that has needed this, maybe this is the type of change they need in a coach, or maybe it is the complete opposite. Yeah, it uh, it could be, but it'll be exciting. I think to see a new new head coach in the NFC North, and uh, I don't know, maybe. Maybe the Bears can pick on him. And I mean, he did spend five not. years in uh, New Orleans as the assistant head coach and tight end coach. So he did run things under um, under Sean Payton. And in 2015, he was the interim head coach in Miami. So who knows what this guy will do? Um, he's got some experience. Assuming, assuming, since he did the tight ends coach, he he has a more of an offensive background. What does that do to someone like Stafford? You think yeah. this is the right guy? Uh, I think so. I think, assuming Stafford isn't going to be leaving, um, or assuming Stafford is get... just like the guy who doesn't care about what this guy is going to say. Like you can honestly. With all this like energy behind them and this built up energy, I could see someone getting really annoyed at this guy really fast. Could be, 
But I mean, Stafford's also like, a pretty. Stafford's a pretty <laughs> high energy guy too. <laughs> hey, do those work together though? Two high energy guys working together. Does that work? True. Who knows? Again, we're through. I know we're sounding pretty. At least I am pretty negative on the guy right now. But uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what comes of it. All right. Um, next up, we have a Los Angeles team that lost a coach and a Los Angeles team that hired a coach. The L.A. Chargers have found their next head coach, and it is the defensive coordinator for the L.A. Rams, Brandon Staley. Man, he's going to have to find a new house quickly. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to have a lot of house hunting going on. I didn't realize this, actually, but I, for some reason, I for, I'd forgotten that he was coaching the Rams, and I'm thinking... He was on uh, Good Morning Football the other day, and I'm watching. And part of me is thinking, because they were talking about how he now has to ad- kind of adjust to being a big guy in, L- in L.A. I mean, L.A. is known for Hollywood. L.A. is known for all these extravagant things. And the Rams have had decent success there as a team now. So they will have to uh, compete with each other, with the Chargers. And the Chargers are now an up-and-coming team with um, Justin Herbert as their quarterback. So just seeing, I would, for some reason, I was thinking, oh, this guy's going to have to buy a house. He's going to have to figure these things out. Then I'm like, wait, he just coached for the Rams. He probably doesn't have to do any of that now. Unless he wants to buy a house closer to the Chargers facility. What do I know? But it's a good move by the Chargers, actually. I mean, this. do you realize how fast this guy has come for the NFL ranks? He's he's only been a defensive coordinator for one year, right? Something like that. I mean, he was he was with Fangio in Chicago back in eighteen, I believe. Then he was moved with Fangio to to uh, Denver, and then he moved to the Rams. So it's like this guy's been moving fast, moving up the ladder, and moving fast up the ladder. I mean. What's what's even his age? Like, I'm assuming let's let's find out what his age is because he's young. probably going to be. I mean, that is the trend. Though. He's 38 years old, so that's for an NFL yeah. coach. That is pretty young. Mm-hmm. So, but does does this lead to success though? Yeah. Um. I mean, it wasn't so long ago where it was the whole the whole trend that. You know, oh man, if if he had lunch with Sean McVay, we gotta hire him <laughs> as a coach somewhere. And I mean, uh, he did coach for Sean McVay. I mean, yeah, Sean McVay is also not the only guy he's coached for. He's coached for Fangio, which is mm-hmm. like Fangio is a defensive genius. So, right, and Staley was able to turn that into uh, success for the Rams this year too. Look, yeah, and look at Leonard Floyd. Ten and a half sacks after he was in Chicago here. Who we were all thinking this guy's a bust. This guy's nothing. He's done. You, Ryan Pace wasted a draft pick. In a way, Ryan Pace helped the, the the Rams out because by not resigning Floyd, which it was true in Chicago, he just couldn't find a fit, and something clicked in. Los Angeles, and this guy turned his career around. So, 
it it could have been Brandon Staley. I mean, Brandon Staley was the the linebackers coach for the Bears with Leonard Floyd. So he, uh, I don't know, maybe he unlocked something within Floyd, and you know, the Bears lost both of them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But uh, we'll get to we'll get to the Bears in a bit because I think we found that we found a good good guy now on our team. Oh to yeah, take over the defensive coordinator position. But just looking at the stats here for Los Angeles, uh, their best defensive season since 1975, and it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, they did well. They're gonna have to fill this position now too. They're gonna find someone to fill this up. Bringing back Wade Phillips. <laughs> I mean, he's available. He's available. Yeah, he is. But uh, we shall see what comes of the these two Los Angeles teams. Obviously, Staley will be compared to uh, Sean McVay now for forever. Not just the fact that they're two LA teams, but the fact that they were on the same staff, and he's going to be compared to Fangio too because of he's his mentor, basically. Mm-hmm. We yeah. shall see where this leads us. Indeed. All right, let's move on to the Eagles who have found their head coach in Nick Sirianni, who was the Indianapolis Colts offensive coordinator. This is, uh, this is interesting because the, the rumor was that it was between Sirianni and Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinators for the Patriots. And in the end, Sirianni is the one who's chosen. Yeah, Josh McDaniels probably did something to mess that interview up because he. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he ever wants to leave New England. I wouldn't blame him, honestly. He's had stability there. It seems like anyone who goes out of New England, Matt Patricia, Bill O'Brien, they get out and they get out. Josh McDaniels at one point, they get out of New England, and they just don't perform well. Unless you're Tom Brady, um, and so. Part of me thinks Matt and Josh McDaniels really wasn't that serious about it, and he wants to find a way to fix New England after the disastrous season that they had Cam Newton at quarterback for the most part. But enough about him. I honestly, to be honest with you, I didn't know much about Nick Sirianni. I read up, though, that he was the uh, offensive coordinator for the Colts, and if I am not mistaken, Dakin, um, Frank Wright was the quarterback's coach for the Eagles, who's now the head coach of the Colts. So it's kind of like a little switch here. Yeah, it's uh, look at it that way. They're they're all connected. <laughs> they're all connected in in some sort of way in the the vast web of NFL coaching. <laughs> I mean, he is obviously an offensive mind. And he is going to have to deal with an interesting offensive situation in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Does he is he able to get the best out of Carson Wentz? And part of me reading up on him is that he is quite similar to Frank Wright in a way because they were um, together in. Uh, oh, sorry. They were together in – where were they? They were together in the Chargers. 
because Frank Wright was the offense coordinator there, and uh, he was the Sirianni was the quarterbacks coach. Sorry, lost it in the notes. Uh, but you're saying, can he fix Carson Wentz? And do the Eagles stick with Carson Wentz? Is the question. Do they move on to Jalen Hurts? And what can you do there? I I feel like they're gonna stick with Carson Wentz. Um, I mean, it's they've said that Wentz's struggles are quote fixable, very fixable. I believe was the the actual wording used. So maybe I'm gonna try. Maybe all he needed was a new scenery, a new guy. Um, we'll see. I mean, this guy was the front runner for the MVP a few years ago. So, yeah, Trenton. There's yes. a team, one team that has not filled up their head coaching position. And uh, talking to you and just knowing you, I know that you're not surprised by this. And that team is the Houston Texans. I'm sorry, who? Are are they an NFL team? I I'm I'm not aware of this this team this uh this name you're bringing up. Yeah, the Houston Texans. Houston oh, Texans. Okay, they're uh they're one of the NFL teams. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Houston Texans. Nobody. Nobody wants this job. Every other team in the NFL has uh, has gotten their head coaches. The Texans are still looking. The Texans have missed out on all of the the other coaches. Well, either they missed out on all the other coaches or all the other coaches looked at the Texans and they said, yeah, no. <laughs> Going elsewhere. But, um... I mean, they did yeah. interview... Josh McCown and Jim Caldwell uh, recently. Uh, How does that make you feel? I, Houston Texans, whatever you do, please, please, please do not end Josh McCown's coaching career before it even begins. <laughs> I mean... It's quite an interesting the, choice, though, to have McCown in there. I mean, he hasn't done any coaching like you just said, and just to go for a guy who's, I mean, I get he was on your practice squad. You brought him in and everything. He's a good guy. He's probably been a, a third coach on the, uh, a second coach on the field and off the field and all these situations. But is he really head coaching material at this stage? Like, I think mm, all of his yeah. experience coaching really has been in high school when he mm. coaches kids' his high school team. Yeah. And he wasn't called up to play so yeah i think That's, he should he should definitely be a quarterback coach or you know offensive coordinator offensive somewhere coordinator. give him that job but don't throw him in the deep end right away give him he needs some experience in regular coaching jim caldwell makes sense because he's a I mean, this guy's he took the colts to the super bowl in his first year as a head coach in 2009 i believe so he's an experienced guy, and he did decently well with the Lions. I mean, he got fired, but he got fired after nine wins. So look where the Lions were after that. So, mm. yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a rough situation. Texans fans, I'm sorry. I'm very but sorry. <laughs> last thing I want to mention is who's left though. 
who want who is even remotely available to take this job? Eric Bieniemy. That is the logical choice, and that is the, that would be he's the only best candidate remaining there. And the Texans are. I don't know what even to say about them if they don't choose him, because if they want some chance to fix that team. That's it. And they gain a lot of respect from the league anyway also by choosing a guy like that who every team else has passed up on for some odd reason that they have decided to not go with him. I don't know why. But uh, yeah. we shall see. But um, I, the Texans, I don't feel like the Texans deserve Eric Bieniemy. Like he, that's a That seems like an organization where you go and your coaching career just kind of dies. And Before it even begins. Yeah, for him, that don't want that to happen. We shall see what happens. He's got an AFC Championship game in the prep for though, so I don't yeah, think he's, he's really concerned he's, at the moment. He's busy. <laughs> he's he's busy. Don't later. bother him. <laughs> Please don't. All right, we got some retirements though. All right. Yeah, this was. Uh... You gonna, you're gonna throw. You gonna set up the retirement parties for these guys with the cake, with the balloons. <laughs> Oh no! Do we have to send more invites? You already had to. <laughs> you already had to send invites for the the potential Adam Gase ten year contract, um, which never happened, sadly. And but, uh, that was I was all ready to go. Those things were in the mail. I already had an RSVP list ready to go too. People <laughs> said they were coming, and then you never got the contract. <laughs> People that they're going up. Pe- uh... By people, I meant you. <laughs> Me and Adam Gase. <laughs> no, he wasn't planning to show up. <laughs> All right, take it away, Trenton. Who's retiring? Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers has said it's just time. It's just right. He's uh, he's finally calling it quits. It's been seventeen seasons. 17 seasons for number 17. Isn't that poetic? I don't think he could have thought any other way to go out. But his coaching career is about to start, though. He is going to be coaching high school football. Oh, yes. He's uh, he's going to yell PG-13 profanities from the sidelines, such as Dag Nabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read his you read his uh his statement, right? I mean he even had that written in his statement. Yeah, it was uh it was classic Philip Rivers. Reading the statement though, Trenton, it was I know we've talked about this and we made a lot of fun of it too, but it was hard not to notice all the names of all his kids. It's like the guy's like nine kids. Yeah, he's uh He's he's only gonna have more time now for those kids, good and, and maybe and maybe more kids. We'll see. <laughs> you put in seventeen years in the league. You've done so much, but you didn't win a Super Bowl, and that's probably the most disappointing piece, though. Yeah, that is. Uh, Does that disqualify him? No, not disqualify. Sorry, that's that's not the right word. Does that just make it harder for him to go in the Hall of Fame. Does he deserve to be a Hall of Fame quarterback? He set records. He's in the top like 5, 10 for many passing categories. He's done well. He's a good person. Does he Does he make it in? 
Um, honestly, I I think he does. Why don't we uh, pull up his stats real quick and see what uh, Rivers has? He has the fifth most passing yards in NFL history, the fifth most passing touchdowns, and the fifth most pass completions. And that's uh, that's pretty solid, honestly. I mean, how how much better can you do? So he's fifth at everything. Yeah, vaguely. <laughs> he has eight Pro Bowls. That's uh, that's I don't know, man. More um, than five. <laughs> does he go into the Hall of Fame as a first ballot? Oh, that's does he hard. Go in, does he wait a few years? Because we haven't gone to this part yet, but let's cover while we're at it. Drew Brees could possibly retire too. Yeah. So he's going to be his first ballot by default because right. everything is done. But right. looking at it, um, do they both get in at the same time five years from now? I if, they, if, if, if Brees actually retires. I mean, that's the rumor going around that he will, but. I feel like Rivers is going to end up in a similar boat as Eli Manning. You know, mm-hmm. Eli Manning's looked at as that that Super Bowl winner. You know, he he takes down the Patriots. He he gets a lot of good stats, but in terms is in terms of his career, he's Eli not. Eli Manning. Eli Manning has two Super Bowl wins. Right, um, and that's that's part of it. Yeah, that's uh, hmm. That's that's gonna be that's gonna be rough. It is. That's gonna be something. I I think he gets in eventually. He doesn't okay. get in first ballot. He gets in on the second, third attempt, something mm. like that, which is fine. I mean, he never was that top caliber. I mean, he wasn't top caliber, but he just wasn't that elite player all the time. He wasn't a Peyton Manning. He wasn't a a Tom Brady. He's not a Drew Brees. He's he's just not. There's just a special type of person like that. And uh, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is at the top of the next level before those guys. If you get what I'm saying. He's he's in that category. He's like the best. He's the best second level quarterback. All right, that's a that's a good way to put it. Um, we got some right. uh, coaching retirement now. I mean, Gary yes. Kubiak retiring again. <laughs> Gary Kubiak retiring again. That's a uh, it's like Brett Favre, but but not. Um, Gary Kubiak has had a lot of success. Um, both as as offensive coordinator or head coach. So, um, He's coach for twenty five yeah. years he has won a Super Bowl, and I mean he's been in the NFL for thirty six years. He was a player, a coach, mainly for the Broncos a lot of the part, but he was part of the Texans for a good portion and really got the Texans in a in a what you call it in a decent position as a team i mean that team you gotta remember the texans haven't been around that long and they've only been around since roughly 2001 so thinking like that um 
He's been on the Vikings, even the Broncos, the Ravens, the Texans, the Niners. This guy's made his way around, but I think the most thing he'll be really remembered for is winning Super Bowl 50 with Peyton yes. Manning. Mm-hmm. And it's Peyton yep. Manning's last game. And the, the Vikings did decently well in offense this year as him under the uh, offense coordinator. 339.3 yards a game, 11th in scoring, uh, 26.9 points per game. And he was only there for two years. Made, made a mark, and we will see what happens from here. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this earlier, but uh, Drew Brees had a lot of injuries this year that we did not know about in addition to his rib injuries and his collapsed lung. Oh, yes. That was uh, – he – clearly he's he's kind of falling apart. I mean – you know, might age give more, might give more truth to those retirement rumors. Right. Yeah. Um, his wife posted uh, on Instagram that besides the 11 broken ribs and collapsed lung, he also had a torn rotator cuff and torn fascia in his foot. And it's, uh, you know, when, when you're getting up there in age and you're, you're getting hit every week, it's just, it's a lot of punishment. And he's he's had a long career of taking those kinds of hits. And, you know, I, I wouldn't blame him if he if he wants to get out of the game, you know, while the he's still. Couple, the past couple of years, he's been banged up too, Mike. Right. You've noticed that because the Saints have to bring the backups. So, mm-hmm. it uh, which they have done fairly well, but he. Saints are a team that has had great success in the regular season and just has not been able to do that well in the playoffs recently. I mean, we'll get into that when we discuss their game against the Bucks. but uh, again, give us more truth to those retirement rumors and if the fact that Philip Rivers and Drew Brees are retiring, the only reason I really brought up if them retiring at the same time was because Brees is getting in and Philip Rivers replaced Drew Brees. So that would be just interesting to see how things in San Diego. It's just interesting seeing how things all come together at the end. <laughs> everything comes together, Bilal. Everything. <laughs> it's the circle of life. It's the circle of football. Yes, that that it is. All right. Um, in other news regarding players, the Ravens have released quite a few players including Mark Ingram and RG3. And uh, I don't know if this really comes to a comes as a surprise because Mark Ingram was definitely getting a little older um, and being they didn't replaced even by play him in the playoff game. Yeah, some salary cap issue. Um, and RG3 of course is just not the same player that he used to be and he was injured this year as well. But uh, it was a it was a nice move by Mark Ingram's teammates, who gifted him with a signed jersey with with messages of you know in the NFL. 
So he's it's clearly it's clearly that he was well loved by his teammates and and everybody in the Ravens organization. So yeah, I think I think there will be a team that that sees him and decides to take a chance on him. I think he still has a lot to give. He could also just retire. Good. Join the list. (laughs) Join the list. Come to the party. Trenton is getting ready. It's a a mass retirement party for for everybody. But I don't don't know, Bilal. I don't think Tom Brady is going to be joining that. I don't think he has any plans to. Not this year. Tom Brady will be like 40 years old and Tom Brady will still be slinging it around. <laughs> old method does not fail. Yeah, um, I'm not entirely sure I will take it that far, but uh, weirder things have happened. I'm sure. There was a <laughs> there was a piece at the end of this. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but at the end of the Saints Bucks game, Brady went out to the field and was talking with Breeze and playing with Breeze's kids and everything. Someone commented on Twitter. He said that uh, Tom Brady will be like still playing when Drew Brees' kids have entered the league and are playing. So uh, that's, uh, that sounds like a that sounds like a long while. I mean, I know they say they grow up fast, but in that same amount of time, I'm pretty sure Tom Brady will age the same amount too. <laughs> you never know. He could uh, he could um, freeze himself and come out when it's time <laughs> that's that's also possible uh, the magic of science but um yeah uh all right let's continue on we were talking about lamar jackson a little bit ago bill's mafia has done it again they've donated almost half a million to his favorite charity after he was injured in the the bill's ravens game I've never seen a fandom come together for the opponent like the Bills have. Mm -hmm. And it has been really um, heartwarming to see. I mean, yeah. Something else to really say on that part. Not even the first time they've done it. They did it for their own own teammate before, their own player. With Josh Allen, his grandmother passed away and they donated over a million dollars to a children's hospital in her name mm-hmm. that's uh so yeah that's a great move by them but uh yeah we have some groundbreaking news though coming to the super bowl this year trenton we will have the very first female official in a super bowl which honestly it's about time it is about time. You're right. It's about time. Sarah Thomas will be officiating in the Super Bowl as the first woman. And she's been with the NFL for a good five or six years. She came in in 2015 as the very first on-field female official. And you need a minimum of five years' experience to uh, – looking at the rules here, you need a minimum of five years' experience to um, – uh, officiating the Super Bowl, and she is, I don't know, first time eligible. Why not? I mean, it's the right thing to do. She's worked four postseason games in six years in the league, and it will 
I mean, we're not expecting anything like interesting out of it. She's a regular official who's going to be doing her regular job, but just the image of that on the field is important for the for the league and the society as a whole right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to see. It'll be fun. Dwayne Haskins is back with the team, Trenton, after after being let go from the Washington football team. And he is with this, getting his fresh start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, now this is interesting because I remember it being said before when he was first being drafted that Dwayne Haskins was a very Ben Roethlisberger kind of style quarterback, you know, big, strong, uh, holds up in the pocket. So this is this is definitely a fit, I think, for the Steelers, scheme-wise. I don't know. I do not know when this is going to lead. He is not – again, he hasn't proved that he was able to lead in Washington, and he, he – he messed up. He really did, and this is his second chance. So, I mean, everyone deserves a second chance, in my opinion. But it's it. He's going to be. I mean, obviously, he's not starting because he got Roethlisberger there. But he's going to be a backup, and he's going to have to re rehabilitate his image, basically. And you got to think about it, though. It's only going to be his third year. He was a rookie the year before. Then this year, he was playing and then he didn't play well. He got benched benched. Alex Smith comes in, does what Alex Smith does. And he just wasn't good enough to um he just had a lot of off the field issues and maybe this is what he needs. He's only twenty three years old. An interesting thing here, Trenton, he's represented by the same agent as Mike Tomlin. So maybe that played a factor with him getting to go to Pittsburgh. But I think Mike Tomlin is a good coach who does not take any nonsense. He's like a Bill Belichick type of coach, and this might be what he needs if he wants to. And who knows, maybe he does well and he succeeds and is able to either play for Pittsburgh once Roethlisberger retires, if that's anytime soon, or he goes to another team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a a good chance for him, and it's it's always been a league where you can get second and even third chances. So, uh, yeah, just hope he's learned from his mistake before and that he can move on from that. Exactly. All right. Uh, NFL Championship Sunday. We have the latest injury reports. Antonio Brown is ruled out for the Bucks. Um, Antoine Winfield. Their rookie safety is questionable. For the Packers, they are going to have Kingsley Kiki out, defensive lineman with a concussion. Kevin King, their cornerback, is questionable with a back injury. And for the Bills, Gabriel Davis, wide receiver, ankle questionable. And Vernon Butler, defensive tackle with quad, is questionable. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, Willie Gay, linebacker, out with an ankle injury, questionable is Le'Veon Bell with a knee injury, Clyde Edwards-Alaire with an ankle-slash-hip injury, and two cornerbacks, Bashad Breland, concussion and shoulder injury, 
and Rashad Fenton with a foot injury. And Sammy Watkins, wide receiver, has a questionable calf injury. So not a, not too bad for most of the teams. Um, Patrick Mahomes has finally cleared concussion protocol. And he's going to be... Thomas, this guy is not human. <laughs> Last year, he has a dislocated knee in his back after like two weeks. And now he has a concussion in his back within a week. I mean, they cleared him for they cleared him, so they probably they hopefully they followed the protocols and they did everything right. So if he's good to go, he's good to go. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see, but it it definitely makes for a for an interesting NFC Championship weekend. And Trenton, there is honestly no new COVID news to talk about this week, which is a relief because hooray. Hope, I mean, there may have been one or two things that we didn't find, but for the most part, nothing significant to affect championship game, championship weekend. So, yeah, COVID free. Yes. And now getting into that championship. Before we get into championship week, we have to uh, recap divisional week. So the first week of the first game of our last week was the Rams at the Packers. Oh, this is the one where I picked the Rams, and. uh to be fair, they they held their own, kind of for the most part, until but Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You forgot that Aaron Rodgers plays for the Packers, and how much <laughs> how much I despise him. It's you just can't give him extra opportunities. You can't give him. You can't let him score in every possession because he will score in every possession that he gets. And I yeah. believe the Packers had forced drives where they scored a touchdown and like drives where they scored field goals so they were scoring and the Rams were not and that's basically the story of that game because the Rams did not have their top players and even their quarterback has three pins in his thumb (laughs) yeah um, it's just it's just the Packers being the Packers and, and this dominating. Game was tight. For this game was in t- at times it was tight, but uh, it was uh, just the Packers too much to handle for the Rams. Mm-hmm. Next game on our weekend was uh, the Ravens at the Bills, and this game, this game was interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot more missed field goals than than you're used to. I uh, I don't know what we saw. Honestly, we saw dunks, two of them. We saw kickers missing field goals, like you just said. So kickers missing field goals who don't usually miss field goals from those ranges. Mm-hmm. And then we see Lamar Jackson getting hit. Yeah. And that's what changed the game. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, no, because... take that back, actually, trying Right before yeah. that is what changed the game, when Lamar Jackson threw a, a pick six that went from one end to the other end of the field. 101 yards. That's a lot of running. <laughs> Just imagine if that goes the other way, though, and he scores a touchdown. 
at that point, the game was at, um, if I'm not mistaken, the game was 10 to 3 Bills. And Lamar throws that pick six, making it 17 10, 17 3 Bills. Bills don't score after that. Bills only had two real scoring positions on offense one touchdown, one field goal. And just that pick six changed the game. And then Lamar gets hurt, and then it's over. Yeah. That's uh it was not a it was not a good performance by the Ravens. We'll just we'll just put it at that. It it just it just did not go right for them. Um I mean obviously they wanted to put up more scores. They wanted to be able to drive down the field better. It's you know, it's it's just rough for them, especially with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who's coming off his, his MVP season last year. And, you know, in a, in a big playoff game, he only, they're only able to put up three points. That's, that's, that's rough. Talk about a decline though, from an MVP like season, an MVP winning season, sorry, to, uh, to what we saw last year, this year. It was, um, I don't know, man. It was interesting to see his, that type of player. I don't know what to really make of Lamar Jackson as a player. He's a great, talented player, but is he a talent? Is he a good, talented quarterback? Is the question. Yeah, um, I think teams are definitely being able to scheme for him much better now that they Look, have. A I lot know more he's team, he is a phenomenon. He is something that no one was really accustomed to since the likes of. Uh, Kaepernick or Michael Vick or stuff like that. But it's like after a certain point, people caught up to those guys too, and they had to adjust their games. Those guys were good passers. They were accurate, accurate quarterbacks, and they led their teams. Well, I mean, Lamar Jackson's a good leader, but he's going to have to really use that arm more because he is the quarterback still. But yeah, the, the key point in that game was when they, he threw that pick six, and he just didn't. Things just seemed off in that game for him. So, moving on to the next game, we had the Sunday on on Sunday. Now we had the Browns or the Chiefs. Now this game was a lot, much closer than we had thought, but for one main reason, was Patrick Mahomes getting concussed. Yeah, that was uh. It was not a good look for him and it was not a good look for the NFL when he, when they showed the replay of how, how shaky he's their, he he's their brand. He is their yeah. brand. And um, when that goes down, the entire chiefs kingdom must've been like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. They, I'm sure they were definitely holding their I breath. I thought the game was over. I thought the Browns would just win the game because Here's what I want to ask you: Is is a you know, let's talk about the game first before I ask you this. The Browns mounted a minor comeback, and uh, they could have won that game. Baker did throw an interception, but he was able to come like in the beginning of the second half. But he was able to re- rebound from that, and they were in a decent position. I mean, you got to look at that. The game was only the score of the game was only. It was only twenty-two to seventeen. It was a five-point game, and if if at the end of the game they don't convert that fourth and one, 
there's still a decent amount of time left for Baker to take the ball where they left it and go score. And Chad Henney, the back of the quarterback, saved the day. Yeah, he was uh, he was the hero for the team all the way at the very end. But he did have a lead to deal with, though. He was leading. He didn't have to. He just had to defend the lead, not make any mistakes, and that team was in a good position. Yeah. Now that we look at the injury report, you mentioned Mahomes is clear to go. Is a is a he's not hundred percent. There's no way he's hundred percent clear. I'm I'm putting Mahomes at eighty percent, seventy five, eighty percent. But apparently, the thing that's good enough for him to go, he's been cleared with doctors. Not a doctor, so what do I know? Is a seventy five to eighty percent Patrick Mahomes better than a hundred percent Chad Henney? Assuming you make the you make the Super Bowl. You give him two weeks to rest. Could you would do you want to risk your future right there? I mean he's the future of the team. He's the future of the league. Even if he's a hundred percent, do you really want to put him in a week later? I mean I think they're definitely gonna be keeping him safe for sure. They're gonna tell him not to take risks. Yeah, but it's Mahomes. He's in the, one of the biggest games of his career. Do you think he's gonna? If if there's a, if it's a if it's a third and two, and the field is wide open, do you think he's not gonna run for it? Or even if it's not wide open, if he just thinks he has an inch of a chance to make it, do you think he's not gonna run for it? It's Mahomes. True. He's he's gonna go. I mean, for he it. can kill you from your arm too. So I mean, if they do keep him in the pocket the whole game. The bills are the bills are um, uh, in for a lot of trouble too. But I just don't know putting him in the game is the right decision. I know the NFL has made a lot of improvements with concussions and all these regulations. They have an independent neurologist and everything there. But I don't know, man. He's superhuman, like I said before. But this game has one of your favorite rules that took place in it. And we should talk about that because that really <laughs> screwed over the Browns. Oh, yes. The Browns were on their way to taking uh, taking back some of the, the points, making up for some of the points that they were behind. Um, all the way at the end of the second quarter, right before halftime, the Browns are able to drive all the way down the field except – Rashad Higgins drops the ball. It goes out the back of the end zone for a touchback. And the Chiefs say, oh, we'll take that. Nine plays, 70 yards, a minute 30. They score a field goal, go into the halftime, leading 19-3. And the Browns left a score on the field. And uh, that's uh, You can't do that against the Chiefs. That rule needs to be amended, though. You can't give it to the opponent as a touchback. Like, especially how that team worked all the way to get down at the end. Yeah. And they just fumble it. Okay, fumble it, but make it. Here's what I've been reading. They should, and listening, people are saying you should maybe fumble it and then give it to the offense again at the 20-yard line. 
And I believe they're saying give it to them as a touchback. So go back all them. You still have to go back down 80 yards, but it's an interesting rule. And it's not the first time this rule has been um, prevalent in situations, but could have changed the game. It really could have. And the way the Browns are playing towards the end, they could have taken it. Just imagine the Browns in the AFC championship game. After all the fun we had been making, we'd been poking at them. For the, this beginning of the year, last year, years before. This is not the Browns that we had been accustomed to watching. And they are going to be around for a long time. Yeah. But until next year. Until next year. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how they do. Last game on the divisional slate, Buccaneers at Saints. And this game was the third face-off between Tom Brady and Drew Brees this past year. And Brees came out a victor the first time, the second time, but not the last time. Yeah, it's a it's a bitter it's a bitter ending for the Saints to to not be able to put this one away. And I mean, even though it was a uh, even though the gap was only 10 points, it it should have been a larger gap based on just it how poorly how poorly the Saints played in this one. Um, three interceptions by Breeze and one That's fumble. The key. That's the key right there. There's the turnovers. By Jared Cook, yeah. Just four total turnovers. You can't, you can't do that. Um but I mean, not against the Tom Brady led team. I'm looking at it. It wasn't even first three quarters. It was, I believe, it was 23 20 bucks. But then Breeze just throws two interceptions in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And that really ends it right there for them. That sums it up. And the Bucks score a touchdown in there. And they, like you said, it was only a 10 point game, man. They had a chance to keep it. Turnovers is the name of the game when it comes to football. The first stat line anyone should look at is how many turnovers did you commit versus the other team? And it's just unfortunate that Drew Brees could be ending his career on this note. Because this team had the potential to – I think they would they, – they beat Green Bay if they make it to Green Bay. And uh, who knows where else they go. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that does it for the recap of the divisional weekend. And we have just a few more things to cover here. The Chicago Bears trying to have a defensive coordinator. Yes, they do. Um, and it's a it's an internal hire, which you don't see very often in in this NFL. No. You don't, and this guy's been around for a long time. We are yep. talking about none other than Sean Desai, who was the former safeties coach of the Chicago Bears, who is currently now the defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's uh, he's been with the organization for a long time. Since he's... Mark Tressman in 2013. Yeah, uh, the only kind guy left for him. <laughs> the only guy left from Mark Dressman's staff. He's been the only guy around since 
I mean, look at it. Mark Tressman, John Fox, Matt Nagy. Three head coaches. This guy's still been there since. Through all three of them. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he's held in very high regard in the organization and by, by former players. So, By current players, too. By current players, too, yeah. So it's, it's a nice move by the Bears to bring up a, a trusted young person in the organization, somebody who they think has that potential and, you know, the, the, the backing of the locker room. Um, it's good that the players have someone that they trust and they've gotten to know for such a long time. I mean, look at all, look what we just mentioned, all, this, all the turnover that's happened in this team. The one constant has been him. Yeah. And just the fact that he's been able to weather that with three head coaches and now he gets a chance at being a defensive mind. He's learned from the likes of Fangio. He's learned learned from the uh, Pagano. I mean, Pagano had Pagano's defense declined from Fangio's defense, but that was an inevitable occurrence, even if Fangio was going to remain after that 2018 season just because of how good that defense was. But the thing is, in Chicago, we've been spoiled with top-notch defense that if we're not in the top five, we claim that the defense isn't good. It's just like you go to Green Bay and you think, oh, the Packers' offense isn't in the top five. Something must be off. <laughs> but just he's he's an experienced guy who's learned from the best and has the respect of the locker room. And he's a new guy. He's, like you said, he's an internal guy. And I think that just speaks volumes in bringing in a new guy. So we shall see what success he has with the Bears. And I think he will have a lot of it. I mean, it says here that uh, and one of the former players here, Stan Macho, said that he was, that Desai was Fangio's right-hand man for four years. That says something. And yeah. uh, it's good. Hopefully he can bring some of that success and, and scheming to the team. Yeah. Looking into here, though, he he's a doctor, Trenton. He got his doctorate from Temple in, um, in 2008. He got his doctorate, so he's a doctor. Nice. He's a doctor of defense. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Trenton, he... Uh, he got his doctorate in educational administration. Ah, uh, that's which actually might come in handy to be a coach. Yeah, I feel like it sure. works. Mm-hmm. But yes, maybe the doctor of defense. We can call him that. Dissecting your <laughs> plays to attack the offense. That's really all we have there for the Bears. I and mean, we have some coaching coaches that moved to other teams. Um, Dave Ragone moved on to the Falcons. He was the Bears. He was with the Bears since 2016 as a QB coach, and then passing game coordinator. And uh, he'll be the OC in Atlanta. We lost the D line coach Jay Rogers to the Chargers, and lost the running backs coach Charles London to the Falcons, who is now going to be their QB coach. So, just a few bits and pieces there. Not much to really discuss of the Bears. The biggest piece there was the defensive coordinator hiring. And now we have one of our last pick segments of the season, Trenton. Yeah, we're, we're getting to the very end. And sadly, I'm uh, 
I'm a little bit far from from where your record stands, but we're we're gonna brush over those records, aren't we? Oh yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, last week we went uh, three and one. I went, and you went two and two. So we have two games this week, both on Sunday. First game up, Packers. Sorry, Buccaneers at Packers. I'm gonna go Packers here. I believe in Aaron Rodgers and what that offense is doing. If it's ever taught me anything, never pick against Tom Brady. Going with the Bucks. I see. My Just think of the motivation of trying to be the very first team to play the Super Bowl in their home stadium. It's gonna be a lot of motivation right there. That's that's true. I don't even um, remember a team being that close to um playing a game a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Maybe the 2017 Vikings could have been it against the Eagles. Uh, did they play in the divisional or championship? I can't remember, but I think that might be the closest I could remember a team being able to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. But um, our next game is the Bills at the Chiefs. I'm going to go Chiefs. I am too, but I would not be opposed to a Bills victory. And honestly, right now, the logical, if Patrick Mahomes is ruled out, I'm taking the Bills. But uh, he's playing, and we'll see what a 75 to 80% Patrick Mahomes can do on the field. But I think it might be just enough to beat the Bills, which has become a really fascinating story this season. The Bills team, in addition to how good their fans are, that team is a good team. And... Mm -hmm. Good to see a team like that that had struggled for a while before the past few years has come to succeed. And I think that does it for us here, Trenton. Yeah. So thank you all for listening to the By the Laces podcast. We hope you have a great rest of your week. And we will be back next week with another episode. Do not forget to follow us at BillMalik15 and Trenton underscore Cito. Please stay safe and wear a mask. Hello. Do you like kneecaps? <laughs>